Not only for SoFi, this radio spot is entitled Activate Fed 30 Seconds. ISCII code 1SOF215400002022. SLR. This is a 30 second radio spot stereo monocompatible. If you forgot about federal student loans, SoFi has your reminder. First, apply for federal loan forgiveness. Then, if you still have student debt, visit SoFi.com slash refi to refinance at lower rates. You could save thousands. You might even get rid of student debt sooner. And fees? Forget them. So, remember to refi. It might help you forget about student debt for good. Visit SoFi.com slash refi now. SoFi student loans are originated by SoFi Bank. N.A. member FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. NMLS 696891. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen, when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Mental Podcast is a show dedicated to individuals and mental health professionals, providing support, information, and some candid conversation along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle and Seth. Welcome to another episode of Mental. That sounded so corporate. This is Seth Showalter, and I am here with my co-host, Michelle Collins. How are you doing? I'm laughing at you at the moment. It sounded very, like, corporate. It's like, welcome. Well, you are corporate. You you are corporate, so. Oh, don't tell me. I am a sellout. Okay, but, like, welcome <laughs> to Mental Podcast. Yeah. Well, you're excited about it. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, something. Anyhow, welcome to another episode of Mental. We appreciate your downloads. We appreciate you listening. It is my hope that we're providing content that's helpful. And yes, we have indeed been talking about trauma a lot. A lot. A lot. That's okay, though. Different kinds of trauma-inducing stuff, though. Yeah, and I'm going to... And I'm not going to lie. I think of the topics, I mean, domestic violence... Child abuse. Mm-hmm. What was another one we did? Those are the only two we've done other than this one, religious <laughs> okay. trauma syndrome. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, child abuse, domestic violence. I think that religious trauma syndrome is probably the hardest, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think they I all know. hold their ground. They all hold their ground. Uh, different, different demographics, probably. I mean, with some crossover, I'm sure. Because let's be let's be honest. In the church, there's still child abuse. There's still domestic violence. We already yes, know all this. Yes, yeah. Yes. So, so there's just, some crossover, but yeah. I'm just saying that for some reason, and I haven't quite figured it out, but for some reason, this this focus, this month's series, whatever we're calling this, it uh, mm-hmm. it's triggering my ego quite a bit, and I feel like <laughs> I keep having to protect something and. It puts me in a yeah. weird place. So I just find well, this a difficult you're, you're topic. Well, because you're still, 
you are still defending some of your religious belief though. That's why. And so anytime somebody steps on that, there's an automatic defense mechanism that is, is triggered. Yes. So, I mean, the reality is not that I know of anyway, you, you haven't dealt with domestic violence. You haven't dealt with child abuse, but you have dealt with this. So this is probably why it seems more pertinent to you, more important. Yeah. 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 I'm just saying, I, this is not easy to talk about. And no. My feelings get involved for some reason, and I don't even go. Like I don't even go to church. Right. I don't read the Bible. I am gay. Like I am far away from the <laughs> Lord, and yet this is still. I'm still protective. It's interesting how how yeah. deep those roots go. But before we really get into it you know, a whole conversation on trauma. We really need to do our mental <laughs> minutes. And since I came in yeah. with the intro, Michelle, my friend, <laughs> tell me about your life. What's been going on this past oh. week? Well, you know, we're back into that time now where you're going to get sick of hearing me talk about it, but I'm in prep to compete again. And I was having a hard time. You know, I'm three weeks into this prep and I was really struggling to get into it mentally. I was having a hard time. Like the workouts come easy. But the food, the mental aspect of it, the water, all of that was, I was really all over the boards with it. If I had to give myself a grade, it would be a D minus for those first few weeks. I'm interested on your timing. My timing? Yeah. You you just got through tax season. Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of like you're going from one. One stressor to another. (laughs) To another. Yeah. I would think. Well, because I picked shows that I wanted to do. I know I picked shows that I wanted to do. And so you have to, you know, you backwards engineer your prep from the show, from the show dates. So it just, you know, and plus I'm a very, very structured person. So I love structure and prep is very structured, but I, I struggled a little bit up front with this mentally. So now, but this week I have really, I really feel like if I had to give myself a grade for this week, it would probably be like an A minus Monday was a little rough, but I have really focused in the rest of this week and been right on with everything. So I've been really happy with myself and proud of myself. So I know you're going to get tired of hearing about that, but that's going on in my life. I think, and I sent you a video a little bit ago. My son got a new kitten today. Yeah. He's absolutely friggin' adorable. Unfortunately, my dogs are not happy. They think he's a snack that for them. So we're having to keep them separated. But as I was telling you, my son introduced the kitten to the pit bull. We have a hundred pound pit bull. And he didn't see the kitten at first and the kitten meowed and he jumped backwards like all startled and then went into the corner, laid down in a fetal position and started shaking a hundred pound pit bull. This kitten is like, if he's two pounds, I'd be surprised. He's so little. And that pit bull was just shaking like somebody had, you know, well, terrified so him. doesn't that. sound like the pit bull wants the cat as a treat. Sounds well, he did like... when he, cause he met him earlier and he kind of snapped at him, but you know, we kept pulling him back, but the other dog is kind of an asshole. So I'm, I'm he's the one I'm more worried about. <laughs> so we're gonna have to keep them separated for a little while. So, and let's see what else. Oh, I started to tell you and you made me wait until we were recording. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've said before, my daughter's pregnant. She's pregnant with triplets and they found out the sex of the babies this week. So there's going to be two boys and a girl. That's awesome. And... Yeah. So not that it would be not awesome, no matter what that was. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. But I think they like the idea of two little boys with, you know, a little sister behind them. So based on the positioning of the babies, if she were to have them, you know, naturally, 
the girl would be the final one delivered. Now, if they end up having to do C-section, she may be the first, who knows, you know, or maybe she'll be in the middle, who knows? But yeah, so two boys and a girl. So, and they, they picked out names already, but I'm not going to announce those because I think they should get to do that. So of course, but she's so cute. They, they stopped on the way home and they got these, um, like frosting stuffed macaroons Uh and that's how they announced it. They got two blue ones and a pink one. Mm-hmm. And that was their little picture on Instagram and Facebook was these macaroons, you know, it's so cute. Anyway, no gender reveal party for them. Not setting anything on fire. Did you hear about that? Uh, didn't they like start like uh, a national... There was a big fire. <laughs> well, national... not my daughter, but somebody had a gender reveal party. Wasn't it like, a, like a, a national fire? Wasn't it like national, like wasn't it multiple states? Like, am I not remembering this correctly? I don't remember. Because I don't want to speak falsely, now. but I remember there were yeah. fires. Well, there was a lot of seems... fires at once. Okay. There was a lot of fires at once, but I think that was one of them. I th- and I want to say it was in California because you know California is on fire every year. So I think that's the where trees, it was. But I'm not it's positive. the weed. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, no gender reveal party here. Just macaroons, <laughs> which was fun, cute. Fun. So anyway, that's my week. How's your week? Um, uh, <laughs> the silence is telling. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly silence. <laughs> I, I I don't know what I can really share in regards to like what's actually happening with my job, which is always weird. I feel like I should be able to talk about my job, but I do work for a Fortune yeah, 500 company right. and I work for corporate and there's a lot of things happening right now. So right. I don't want to go into any specific details, but I'll just say this. I am very, very stressed. Uh, This week has been very overwhelming. We are rolling out um, a brand new electronic health record that Mm. will be released in five stages over two years. And so we'll be, yeah. And literally this week was the beginning of that training. Uh, And as a clinical trainer, part of my responsibilities is training the company. So I will be teaching uh, psychologists as well mm-hmm. as uh, essentially care workers and follow up after hospitalization. So, yeah. uh, and that's all going to happen when I get back from Colorado because and you're going for a week, right? Right. So I have been ramping up for the training that I'm about to do for with my company with the software for a month or two, maybe three months. However, timing wasn't in our favor i agreed to do an assist training not do the assist training but like become an assist trainer and assist is Mm -hmm. a a suicide intervention modality used by clinicians and uh, we teach it to uh, our Mm -hmm. staff and you can teach it to the community members as well Uh, it costs a lot of money and I got this approved last year. However, COVID put a damper on all of yeah. that. And so it got moved to the 16th through the 21st. So a coworker and I will be flying out to Denver on Sunday uh, to go to this essentially conference tr- intensive train the trainer. Mm. A lot of people have been referring to it as a vacation when in fact we're going into like a boot camp. Right. So... And then we'll, we'll be in this boot camp for a week and then we'll come out. And then that upcoming Monday, both of us are training 8am. 
Now you realize this episode is going to come out. You will have already been back from this oh, or you will shit. be coming back from this. <laughs> That's all right. It's not the big deal. We record at different times when we have, when we're able to. So. About it. No, let me redo, but let me redo all of this. No, <laughs> I am so excited. Everyone. I have been, I have been in Colorado and this was an amazing experience. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Just I thought it. it was gonna be a boot camp, but no. It was like we were drinking. We had like no. little umbrellas in our drinks. Oh, I was so happy about it. And I get to train psychologists on Monday. I am just thrilled. How exciting. I'm just thrilled. <laughs> Let me just say this. Oh, it's been goodness. it's been an overwhelming week. And I don't want to uh, concern you, but whatever they are, whether they are panic attacks or uh, temporal lobe seizures, they are in full force. I had about you know those worry me. I had about seven of them today. Um, oh my gosh! It, and it, they've been happening when I'm in meetings with people. Mm. And again, I never say anything and I work through it, but like I was in a meeting with my boss today and at one point I felt like my ears were on fire because like Mm. the way that the heat, the heat radiates. And then I have on those, those headphones, you know, the head, the whatever headset. And I, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. And I, they upped all my medication and I'm taking it as prescribed. I, it's gotta be panic attacks because it makes the most sense. I don't know, because doesn't don't panic attacks? I mean, shouldn't you feel some form of agitation if you're having a panic attack? It shouldn't just be the like a heat sensation, should it? Well, typically it comes with. I mean, a difficulty. I guess it could be. It could be. It both both can cause heat. Now, typically, panic attacks are going to come with difficulty breathing, catching your breath, right. feeling That's like you're I'm having saying. a heart attack. I but it, they but they can vary from person to person. So I just I don't know but it's not been it doesn't hurt or anything it's just kind of annoying and scary yeah it it definitely is that's upsetting yeah and that you know i can't control them i know when they're like but i can feel them about 30 seconds to a minute before they hit and you just kind of ride the wave yeah but when they happen sorry you know i hate to hear that it bothers me a lot you know, the good thing is I work from home. I'm, you know, I'm here. I've got a cat that looks after me. If anything happens, she knows to call the police. The cat does. Yeah. <laughs> She's got it down. That was That's perhaps, a talented cat right there. Perhaps the dumbest thing I've ever said. No, I live at home, so it's not a huge deal. You know, if something were to happen, if I were to have a seizure, it's not like I'm driving. Yeah. Well, and like you said, these are different seizures than what I'm used to seeing with my son, which is why I always get so upset right. when I hear that you're having them. Right. Because I automatically picture in my head the seizures that he has. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, it's a little weird. different. Well, it, it's interesting because that's actually what I have. I mean, I have that diagnosis. That's what I've had those grand malls. But at this point, it's like the way my neurologist has explained it is it's almost as if they're seizures that are right. getting through, but the medication is preventing the grand mal. Hmm. Okay. I can kind of see that, that, I guess. So it's more sense. of a petite mal than 
So I'm having so Although, it's it's happening, but it's only it's just seeping through. It's not going all the way. Well, and typically, even with petite mall, though, I know like I've seen my son have a couple of those as well, and he loses time. He's gone. He's not he's not having the full blown seizure, but he's just blanked out, and you can't yeah. get it. I mean, it's not like he's you know his attention's elsewhere. He's not there. This is and this is so then, even lower. You, know, you have to like, kind of wait for him to come back. Yeah. This is not a petite. This is less severe than that, but it's similar. Right, because to, you still I mean, have fun. You're still able to converse. You're still able yeah. to function. You're just experiencing the sensation. Right. Yeah. I'm having a hot. So it's flash. still. It's still. <laughs> oh, you're having them for me. <laughs> I mean, that's what I think. That's I'm old what enough I'm for them, but I don't have them. So. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. Oh, you're you becoming a menopausal woman? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only Excellent. other. It's either a panic attack, a seizure, or I'm menopausal. I I'm in menopausal. So just try some mitol. <laughs> well, no, I'm I've, sorry. I'm, I'm just, that sounds so dismissive. I'm sorry. I'm just I've trying to make a joke, and it was a bad one. <laughs> well, I hear I hear some people do take mitol. Men take mitol, and they think it's awesome. My son does. I'll see. There you he, he literally, I said I had a headache the other night and he walked over and handed me a Midol. I said, I don't need a Midol. I need some Advil. He's like, no, Midol works better. That's what I use. And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's what I use. I'm like, okay, it's more expensive though. So <laughs> I'm not sure why you use it instead, but whatever. <laughs> do what you're going to do. Wow. So sorry that my mental minute has been kind of scattered. I, there's just been... I, I'm it's just your over- life, and that's what our mental minutes are about. So that's okay. <laughs> I've just been I've been overwhelmed. To yeah. put it to put it easy to put that. it simply, I've been overwhelmed. I, I was super excited to go to Colorado. I think that it was a very valuable experience, and um, I'm going to talk more about that uh, when we have some more time in our upcoming episode. Okay. However, for today's conversation, mm-hmm. I want to bring up. Well, lead into this. This is your friend. Well, we were, you know, we've done a few lived experience interviews recently, and they were supposed to be centered around religious trauma syndrome. I don't, and again, we have to reiterate that religious trauma syndrome is not diagnosable at the current time. So there really is no criteria that needs to be met to be associated with it. There's just general observations or, you know, situations that tend to be applicable to most people in this situation. So we actually had a couple lived experience interviews in which we talked with people and more than likely they are dealing with a lot of the stuff that goes along with religious trauma syndrome, but they were very specific in their, in their discussions with regard to how it originated in their life, how it was being expressed in their life. And uh, so our very good friend, Matthew DiStefano came on and shared a little bit about what was going on in his life and how traumatizing it has been to have his relationships, his very close relationships disrupted by religious ideology. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to play that, that interview. We wanted to give you that interview so that you can, you can hear how this is actually in real time affecting somebody's life. And so um, I think that's the one we were going with, right? That's, that's the one we had decided. Okay. So that's what we're going to be hearing. With, this topic of religious trauma syndrome, everyone's experiences are different. And right. what I have found over time is that 
it's never it comes out in interesting ways it's not always explicit it's not always what i think it's going to like things happen with religious trauma syndrome where i get triggered and i never expected to be triggered or things happen where people say things that i didn't think that they would ever say i and i think that's what we're really going to hear in matthew's story is how other people's religious beliefs right other people's religious beliefs not his own someone else's impacts him when he makes a big announcement so let's go ahead and listen to that now yeah To mental, I am one of your hosts, Michelle Collins, along with Seth Showalter. Say hello. Hey, yo. There he is. Uh, we are here today to do a lived experience interview with none other than the one and only Matthew DiStefano. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> no, you were supposed to say hi, Matt. Well, oh, sorry. <laughs> you, the, don't confuse me. It's I'm early sorry. here. You're right. It is. It's early for you. I'm just kidding anyway. It doesn't matter how you said it. But anyway... We are, of course, in the midst of a series, a, quite a long series called The Trauma Trials, and this month we are focusing on religious trauma syndrome. In our lived experience interviews, we are speaking with people who have experienced some form of trauma in response to leaving the church, deconstructing their faith, uh, what have you. And so we are sitting with Matthew today. Matthew's going to share a little bit of his experience. I think you should also plug your books, Matt, just, you know, just because. Just the ones we're writing together, right, Michelle? You can plug any that you want, but certainly the ones that we are writing together. Yes, absolutely. Oh well, what do you, what do you, which books do you want me to plug? He's written so many. He's written, written so, so many. many. Yeah. Where, where do you want? I, where do you want him to start? I mean, no, I, well, I'll just, I'll just tell people this. I have a lot of books that cover a lot of different topics, and they're all at allsetfree.com. So if you go there, you can check them all out and pick out the ones that you think are right for you. <laughs> And I will say this, if you don't have a lot of cash, that's okay, because a lot of my books are typically on Kindle for about a dollar. Yeah, so. you're, you're a yeah. very, I'm very a, giving kind of guy. Yeah, I'm a giver. <laughs> I will just note, though, like I refuse to read the Kindle. Really? Like I bought your books on Kindle, but I hate it. I have to have a book. Well, well, I like I, I like I like the smell. I want to be able to yeah. highlight. I agree. I, if I'm reading fiction, I'm fine on a Kindle. But anything theological or scholastic, I want the actual book. It works better for yeah. me. Too. So I so I bought your books on Kindle, but I have. Do you have all of them, Seth? Every one of his. I books? have. I, well, I mean, they were all ninety nine cents. It was a steal. <laughs> like I spent like five bucks and I bought everything I needed. There you go. They're worth. They're worth every penny. <laughs> I'm sure whenever I I need to buy them again, but I need to buy them in hard copy so that I can actually read them. Well, I'm partial to a few of them. I'm partial to All Set Free because that's the book that I met Matthew after he wrote and released. That was his first one. Yes, it is. That's right. Yeah, and you you came to the book release party. And that's when Matthew and I became friends. So I'm partial to that one. I'm also partial to Heretic. I love that one. And of course, I wrote the foreword to that one. So, you know, I have to be partial to that one. You did. It was the best part of the book. No, it, was it wasn't. <laughs> but we have a project together, so take a second and share that one as well. Well, I mean, it's fitting to this conversation yes. probably. because um, So the book is called Learning to Float. We don't have a date yet, but I'm sure it'll be sometime this year to kind of piggyback off your book, Michelle. Mm-hmm. So congrats. I know I've, yeah, you've, you've, you've done it. You're a published <laughs> author now. Yes. 
so it's it's a it's kind of like part memoiry and it's part therapy session in quotes um so it's kind of my story through deconstruction through my faith journey and how it's impacted me psychologically and spiritually and sociologically and with my wife and daughter and and all, all the things that all the all the the weeds that you get into when you go through deconstruction right yeah it was a great it was a a good conversation. I really enjoyed it and spent yeah. enjoyed spending that time working on it together. And you're right; it does kind of coincide with what we're discussing here today with regard to religious trauma syndrome. Of course, you know that's a very specific. I, well, Seth and I talked about this the other day. It's not necessarily specific because it's not in the in the diagnostic manual yet. So, as far as having specific criteria that you have to meet to be diagnosed with that, there is none of that. But right. but we understand it to be kind of the emotional and psychological fallout after having left the church or, you know, going through this process of questioning what you believe. And there are specific yeah. markers that go along with it. So why don't you just share a little bit about how you, what you felt, what you experienced as far as leaving, you know, what you grew up with as your belief system? Well, I mean, it's an existential crisis. I mean, you're told when you're a Christian, at least in my tradition and probably this will resonate with you and your maybe your listeners as well when you're given when you're an evangelical and you grow up as an evangelical like maybe you're born into a family or you convert at an early age or something you're not giving a set of worldviews that you then pick you're given the worldview right so this is the way the world works you don't know why you don't even know what questions to ask you don't know questions you could ask and then when you become a thinking person, you know, into, into your, I'm not saying Christians aren't thinking people, but I might've said that. You might've. I might've. When you become an adult, when you grow up. <laughs> when and, you become but, an adult. Well, I mean, and I, and I don't mean like by age, I just mean by maturity level or you ask certain questions and you realize, well, maybe the world isn't like this. Then you're kind of like, I mean, people use analogies like the desert, you're out in the desert, or, you know, in our book, we call it learning to float. So you're out in the ocean and it's really traumatizing. And your natural response is to like flail about and try to stay above water. And, and, and it's hard to, um, and then there's this whole business of when you don't have a shared belief anymore, maybe you become a little more agnostic. Maybe you just question your evangelicals. You might you might still believe in God, but you don't believe that narrative. You don't believe that theology any longer. And you lose friends because you realize you haven't differentiated from them. Your your entire friendship or relationship is based on emotional fusing, on like beliefs, on, on, on you know, you have to believe X, Y, and Z. And the minute you don't, you know, Michelle, you use the, or the, um, the example of Kafka's metamorphosis. I mean, you're like this weird beetle that no one wants to talk to, and then you die. Yeah. I mean, it's like sadly. So it's, it's sadly the yeah. tale of the beetle. Yes. Yeah, it's really it's really difficult. So I mean, you and, and you liken it to the grief cycle, and I think that's right because you're all over that thing. You're angry. You're bargaining. You're doing all the the whole nine yards, and you don't know what's up and down and left and right. And it's for anyone who's deconstructed. I mean, it's it's weird. It's unique to each individual, but the experience seems, I mean, the, the psychology and the emotion behind it seems to be really, really shared. Like everyone can pretty much be like, yeah, I experienced a lot of that. 
you might've been Pentecostal or charismatic or Calvinist. I mean, all these different things, but the, 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 the shared experience is in the emotion right. and how you feel. With Eversense, the long-term sensor helps me spend less time dealing with my CGM. I only need two sensor changes a year. If you're on multiple doses of insulin, you might greatly benefit from the Eversense E3 CGM system, the only continuous glucose monitoring system that lasts for up to six months with one sensor. Still doing frequent sensor changes? Break free today with Eversense. For important safety information and to learn more about Eversense, please visit eversensediabetes.com safety. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Well, that's kind of how that, I mean, as I was thinking about it and writing about it, of course, that's what hit me as well. And that's why it, it presented itself as grief. Because it, I think we tend to think of this as some kind of religious, you know, process, but it isn't. Right. It's a psychological process. It's it's you learning to change your mind and to not be conformed, mm. um, which is ironically something we're instructed to do in the scriptures, you know, do not be conformed any longer to this world. And as soon as we began to transform our minds, suddenly we're persona non grata with so many of the people that have not reached that point yet. And it's very difficult in our relationships to separate ourselves, you know, from that line of thinking, first and foremost. But second of all, trying to understand that they just aren't there yet, you know. And as much as you want them to understand, they can't. And at some point you didn't either, you know. So it is is difficult and it's, it's definitely emotional. Now, I don't know what all you want to talk about today, but I know you've had some stuff going on in your life that's been very difficult. So if you want to talk about that, fine. If you don't, that's cool. We can go on to something else. So, Well, your listeners can't see me, but I'm looking around to see who's here. <laughs> I mean, it's ten- it's been sensitive and a little tenuous. But, you know, here's the thing. Like, with what's going on recently, we've been honest with our daughter about. Like, we're raising our daughter a certain way, and we're – uh, it's not the way we were raised necessarily. So I recently came out by and I but at the same time, I've married to a woman for 17 years and happily married and that's not going to change. And there's been it's been a mixed bag response. But what's been really consistent is her parents response. And it's been really unfortunate that the response has been to basically disown us at the moment and to accuse me of having multiple affairs and then to say it's not accusing, it's just my opinion, which is like, God, could you gaslight me any more yeah, than you right. are right now? Um, right. So it's 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 a bit of, it's a part of this religious trauma that I'm, you know, in the book we talk about Michelle. If I'm over it, and it's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm through it. I don't have these problems. I don't have existential crises anymore. Like, I don't. I'm cool with being agnostic about a lot of things. I, I hold my beliefs loosely, and it's like right when you say that kind of stuff it's like it comes to bite you in the ass yeah. again it's like here it is again right. i'm gonna traumatize you in some way when you thought you were done like i'm gonna you know and it's like well i mean that's why my contention is we're never done once we start this process we're never done Never done it, it's no. continuous it may not be as severe you know so much right. of the time anymore 
and it may ebb and flow like you're saying you think you're okay and then suddenly it comes back but again that likens back to grief that's what grief feels like it's not a linear process it's not a set determined amount of time for this process it's just you responding to whatever life hands you that day whatever question comes up whatever relationship Mm. challenges you that day and yeah. And that is why it is so traumatic because it's like being blindsided all the time mm-hmm. and it's difficult. So what do you think it is that they're struggling with? I mean, because this is a big breach in in relationship for you, which is one of the markers of religious trauma syndrome. So what do you think it yeah, is? It's... Do you think it's just that they feel that this is a part of their faith and they can't step outside of that or? Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, you know, there hasn't been a lot of communication, but there's been a few voicemails. <laughs> and it is about it's God's word. This is clear. Mm. I, I think I think people s- speak out of a, a deep level of ignorance on on a lot of things, but in our specific situation on what bisexual means, for some reason, people get it in their head that bisexual e- equals like you're a slut, you sleep around. Um, they can't seem to grasp that they are straight and married and and are still attracted to other people of the opposite gender and don't want to have sex with them and don't have sex with them. But for some reason, when it comes to bisexual, it's like I'm sleeping around all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, so, so there is a deep level of ignorance there on, on that, the fact that monogamy and bisexual are not mutually exclusive terms. Mm-hmm. And yes, it, it comes down to, I think, a twisted view of what God's will and love looks like. Right. Because in their mind, like, I can't say they're evil. I can't say they're trying to be malicious. Because I think in their minds, they would be doing the correct thing, according to the Mm -hmm. word of God, according to scripture, according to their, you know, whatever. And going back to the fact that there aren't multiple worldviews, there is the worldview, and there's incorrect worldviews. And our worldview is correct. And your worldview is all, uh, uh, you know, misaligned it's because of depravity it's because of the fall it's because of x y and z whatever we tell ourselves or however we interpret those things based on the bible right so so it's it's not that they have a problem with me it's that i have a problem with god and the way god designed right well you know that's i think what is a huge misunderstanding as it pertains to sexuality in totality whether you're heterosexual homosexual or bisexual these are not terms that are specific only to your sexual activity they're an identity statement right and sex is a part of every identity it doesn't matter how it's expressed and so i think that in the christian realm however we've gotten so used to as you said kind of saying you know that's a different worldview or as as seth and i talked about the other night with laura and and carl we're not of this world so somehow we've set Mm -hmm. ourselves apart and above what is happening in this world and so-called i'm using air quotes sexual deviancy is of course you know of the world right but they're failing to see identity in all of that sure and and to to piggyback off of that have you matthew been able to i know the communication has been limited right except for a few voicemails but and i know you've written a blog um, about this experience, but have you been able to communicate with them the reasons why you took that step? Because if they're um, accusing you of sleeping around, you know, in that type of thing, I, I'm wondering if there's a little, maybe some miscommunication there. Oh yeah. But I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I just wish people would. Um, so I, I haven't written a blog about this experience with the family per se, but what I wrote okay. a blog on was why I did this. And 
I see it as we as a society need to take steps toward understanding that human sexuality is on a spectrum. And, mm -hmm. and most people, I'm going to guess, truly do fall on that spectrum in one way or another, not necessarily on the ends. I'm sure some people are totally straight and some people are totally gay. But I think we need to understand that I, I want to get to a place where it's just like a normal Tuesday. You're just like, oh, I realized I'm gay or I realized <laughs> I'm bi, you know, right. and, and not have this not have this huge thing where there's, uh, you know, stress and anxiety about what's going to happen when you come out. It's just like, oh, it's whatever. And we're not there yet. So I think the more it's normalized, I mean, you know, they have this term heteronormative, right? Because it's kind of like your default hetero until you say right. otherwise. And and I would I, I, I personally, I believe we should be in a place where it's not that way. And, and I think the more you normalize the fact that, Hey, some dude came out, he's married, he's been happily married, monogamous. Uh, it's not that I'm not cool with polyamory, but we're not, you know? So it's like the, the, the more these sort of things become normalized, I think the more accepted they will be in society. Right. Well, so, so it's, it's like, I do it for my, and, and I do it for myself too, because it's like, I want to be true about who I am. Right. I just want to share that part. I mean, we're all social creatures, right? We all, we all want to share our lives with other people, certain people, not everyone. <laughs> but, let's not go but, crazy. You know, let's not go crazy. I'm an introvert. so um, Yeah, me too. So. But, at the, but at the same time, I want to be true to myself and who I am, you know, so. Well, that's what I mean, that this is all a part of identity. And, you know, I think I told you when you and I had discussed this previously, I had a conversation with somebody and they were like, well, then if you're married to a woman and and you're not planning to change that. Why even say it? And I said, because it's a part of identity. It's a part of who the person is and what's wrong with recognizing that. Totally. And I think that the reason, one of the big reasons other than, you know, ideological indoctrination that people have a hard time with this is completely fear-based. Yeah. And, and especially within the Christian realm, which I find completely ironic because we're told so often in the scriptures to fear not, that fear is the overwhelming driver for much of how we communicate with the world. Mm. We close ourselves off, we cut people off, we hurt people all in the name of being true and faithful to God. And so, yeah. it, it, and that's completely disappointing, you know, and I think it's difficult, of course, when you lose a relationship, and so many have in deconstruction, they've lost relationships through church and friends and whatnot. But when it's family, that's a whole different level of almost, you know, being tra they're being traitorous traitorous what's the word i'm looking for traitorous tra betrayal betrayal okay yeah betraying that relationship well you realize you realize that love is not unconditional absolutely yeah even within family even within where it family, should like be there are, there are, yeah yeah it should be yeah in regards to fear for individuals who are in this i don't know how what i want to say this conservative christianity you bring up something that that they don't want to address because if they have to address it, they're going to have they're going to have more questions, right. right? They have, as you were mentioning, Matthew, they have a worldview, and they have that worldview has to remain intact because if it doesn't remain intact, then there's bigger questions that they have to ask. Right. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, I've often heard the analogy: it's a house of cards. I mean, mm -hmm. you could you could use the analogy that it's a, a sweater with a thread, and you, when you've got I mean, I, I heard this once from a pastor, you know, when I started deconstructing, I was questioning the doctrine of hell. 
this pastor was really upset because I had essentially undone 30 years of his ministry. It's kind of the whole Billy Graham things <laughs> like, like come to the altar, yeah. give your heart to Jesus. I mean, he viewed his whole life as saving people from hell. So when you, when you teach that, that, that concept doesn't exist in the way you teach it, it's like you're undoing everything they've done. Well, but again, mm -hmm. that's another identity problem because they have found their identity within that belief. Right. And so if they, right. and again, this is a part of deconstruction as well. And we've talked about this in the book that when you begin unraveling what you believe, and if it's so closely associated with who you think you are, you lose yourself somewhere. And yeah. so, and then on top of that, when you're talking about a minister, you know, they've put so much of their life, their life into this, this is often their livelihood. So now if they begin right. to question it, not only are they, they may lose themselves, they're going to lose their livelihood. It's going to affect their family, you know? So there's this yeah. ongoing cycle here that's happening that, that almost creates that I have to stay here. I have to, my cognitive dissonance must remain intact so yeah. that I, that I don't unravel my life. And yeah, can, can I, can I flip and become the interviewer and ask you all, is there a push to making religious trauma syndrome, something diagnosable? Because from what I understand, yes. religion is often used as like a therapy and I'm like, hold yeah. the hell on right now. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I questioned that. I questioned what happens when, you know, what's normally used as a therapeutical approach is actually the problem. Yeah. And, and yeah, Seth and I talked about this on the last podcast that it is not currently in the diagnostic uh, manual, but that, that we think it will be at some point and that there's a push just just go to Google Scholar and type in religious trauma syndrome and see how many hits mm -hmm. you get. I, I, I really, I mean, I don't have it confirmed. You know, I don't know who's working on it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be in the yeah. next round. We were discussing, I, yeah, I had made the comment that I think that when there's a few more actual studies, not just people writing about it, but actual studies yeah. conducted on it, maybe then you'll see an even bigger push towards getting it included in the diagnostic yeah. manual. But I think eventually it will be. I just... I mean, I've said this publicly before. It's my hope that I get to actually be participating in that process. That was my focus when I started my doctorate, and that's what I want to help work on. So, wouldn't that be some shit? Wouldn't it? If you were, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you live that shit out. You ought to get to <laughs> get a hand. Yeah, in. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. Well, so it's been a tough few weeks then for you since the announcement. Yeah, it has been. I. I guess I guess I don't I didn't know what to expect, but I, I guess I should have expected that there will be some some people in the religious mindset who aren't accepting. I guess I am just I'm still a little surprised to the level of uh, of the unaccept acceptance. Is that a word? Yeah, sure. We'll call it, it a word. word. <laughs> yeah. You're an author. You just created it. There you go. <laughs> I just created it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like Paul in that way. Just, just put things together and go. call it a word. Uh, actually, you're participating it's in difficult. the original, you know, terminology of deconstruction. You're trying to find some unity of text there is what's happening. Right. Right. That's right. Thank you, Derrida. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I've been called to the table on using that term. So <laughs> outside I'm, of its nor sure. a normal and original context. So um, sure. But now you, we talked about this a little bit in our book, but of course there's a fallout when we begin to question our belief systems and, and we begin to struggle with this. There's a fallout that's associated with our family or our friends, the people that we hold yeah. closest to us. So you've, you, I mean, these are your in-laws, but how is, how is Lindsay in all of this? Um, kind of all over the place because it's, it's such a raw emotional thing. So we've, 
we've seen this kind of stuff before from them. We've witnessed them treat others in this way, but it's just hard. I mean, it's like you hold out hope that people will change and you hold out hope that there will be a real relationship where you can be vulnerable and honest about who you are. And, and when it doesn't happen, when it goes the other way, it's, I mean, you're, you're kind of like heartbroken all over again. Um, So it's like almost cyclical. And then you mm-hmm. run through those whole, the, the, all the emotions, anger, bitterness, betrayal, sad, you know? So it's like, initially you might be mad and then you think about it and you're sad. And it's like, you know, we've seen it with my daughter too. Like, and just like the, the different level, like, like angry and then proud of how you responded, but then really sad and, and wondering why they're acting like this. So it's, it's just, I mean, I think when you're traumatized in any way, you, you kind of you're quantum in a way you're pinging back and forth all yeah. over the place without covering the space in between and mm-hmm. you're just you know i mean i'm sure chemically and biologically you're all i mean all sorts of chemicals are going on well yeah the midbrain is is firing off like crazy and, right. and that that's before it gets to the conceptual part of your brain where you're actually able to think about it so you know there's yeah. reactions that are happening which is where we come up with triggered you know, right. you see your rational okay. information coming out of your mouth that you're like, I didn't have time to think about that. It just popped out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. But then, but then you're also trying, you know, we're both trying to balance like, okay, when we do communicate, when we're ready now, right. how's, what are we going to say? Cause we, we don't want to, you don't want to be reactionary. You don't want to, you don't want to react to the reaction. Right. So you want right. to be, you want to be more mindful about your approach. And so it's kind of like, trying to almost separate emotion of something and then like the analytical part on how you're going to respond and, and make mm-hmm. it better for whatever. I mean, there's, there's certain amount of trust that will never be there, Sure. but in, you know, it's still like, okay, do we just cut it off completely? Or is there any, is there anything that can be saved? There? Right. Well, and the hope is of course, that at some point they begin to work through what they think and believe as well you know, to where maybe there's more of a meeting of the minds. Because like I said earlier, people believe what they believe until they don't anymore, you know, and we never know when that point's going to be. And so often we're angry at them, but it's just because they can't understand. They're just not capable of it at the moment, Um, which doesn't make this less hurtful. And it's certainly not a justification. Sure. But yeah, it's, it's devastating. You know, I only experienced that through friendships and relationships. Um, Well, I did experience it a little bit in my house, but it wasn't to that point of cutting off relationships. So I'm so sorry that happened to you. I know that's hurtful, not only to you, but to yeah. your whole family. So that, that right. sucks. But Seth, do you have other things you want to talk about here? You've been doing such well, a great no, job. Well, no, I don't, don't want to interview. leave you out. So. Uh, no, <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, you're sharing everything that we have been talking about as a series, and you're bringing up the pain and the hurt on, on really both sides. And I want to point that out because truly, while they are hurtful to you at the same time, they are terrified because now their, their faith is being challenged, right? The ideas and the beliefs that they've held so firmly are now being challenged. And now you're being put out. My hope is that they do come around. I I would say, I mean, how soon has this been? How long have they had to process? Uh, Let's see. I came out on the 13th of April. Not very long. (laughs) Not very long. So it hasn't even been a month yet. Right. However, their response is absolutely atrocious. So I don't really want to give them any grace there. (laughs) But my hope is that in time they will come around. Yeah. I I remember when I came out 
Now, again, very different because I came out fully gay and I'm not married. Praise the Lord. Uh, (laughs) But I was given a list of 10 people to call. And I had to call all 10 people and tell them that I was gay and that I was coming out on Facebook. Who required that? And if they had an issue with it, uh, my parents. Oh, okay. My parents didn't want anyone in the family to find out that I was gay via Uh, social media. Well, okay. I can see that. Yeah. So, um, and those reactions were, were varied, but not to this extent. Yeah. I can only imagine like how your wife is handling this too. I mean, it sounds like this has been historical, right? That this has happened before. I mean, that yeah. they've, I mean, they've kind of pushed it on others. Yeah. They're, they're um, like every time you've released not, a book, right? <laughs> not to this level, but yeah, there has been some, um, yeah, no, they don't read those. <laughs> well, I mean, but your subject matter, I, I think, is kind of triggering for people that are very locked into their evangelical side. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, but this this has been like, you know, like um, in Spinal Tap when it goes to 11. Oh. Like, it, this is going to <laughs> Yeah, of to course. 11. It's a much bigger subject, so. Or, well, you know, anytime. I guess, but the, the, the thing a... is, it's, it's, it's not because it, the funny thing, the ironic thing about this whole thing is that, like, I've only been sexually with one person my whole life. And they're treating it like, like, so, but compared to like before when I wrote books, I mean, I questioned hell, right. I questioned the Bible, <laughs> I questioned God, you know, all the, like that seems way bigger than, well, you would I happen think. to think, but, I happen to think some guys are cute. I mean, come on. <laughs> but Big see, isn't that deal. the truth though with a lot of Christianity? Like this, as soon as the subject of they're sex, obsessed, in, they're obsessed, obsessed with, with it. it. <laughs> well, okay. Why? Okay. Let's, can we talk about that? <laughs> what, what is it? What is it about? Christianity and specifically conservative Christianity that is so hypersensitive around sex and sexuality. Oh, I completely think it's projection. I think projection. I I think all of these people have some kinky shit going on in their heads and they demonize it and they have to throw that (laughs) off on other people because it's, it doesn't fit their narrative as far as what they're supposed to do to be a godly person. Never mind, God created sex. I mean, you know, I totally I think, think it's, I think a, it's a defense it, mechanism, 100%. I think a lot of it ha- also has to do with when we prohibit something and we hit prohibit yeah. certain sexual things, that desire becomes ever more inflamed. So when we when you, pro- you prohibit um, anything gay, anything kink, anything this and that, and those, I mean... It's straight missionary with your eyes closed until the deed is done. <laughs> right. I said nothing fancy. Uh, <laughs> It's like that that thing that we can't have now becomes something that just is so um, appealing, you know, inflamed in us, and and I mean, yeah, it's Adam and Eve like, all over again. Right, well, can't have it. I want it. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like us versus them is absolutely critical to all of this, and that I they need someone to be able to to hate. I like they need someone to be able to say this is what we are not. This is what we're against. And and then that creates this, you know, well then we're all special, right? Because we yeah. aren't like those people. Uh and and I see that so frequently throughout mainstream Christianity. And I feel like gays are the people you don't want to be like. Well, I mean and that that they that's where they put their 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 stake we're all dualistic and they do have the ultimate scapegoat already in in satan so you know everything now that they dislike is attributed to satan and, and demonized so he is the ultimate scapegoat 
but yeah, it's the behavior. I think this one behavior, if you will, in air quotes, tends to just set people off for some reason. You know, they'll they'll quote Romans to you, but then they leave out the majority of the list in which homosexuality is even mentioned, if that's the right context, even. That's well, that, and, and and that's and that's funny too because I think what speaking of Romans, like what Paul is doing is he's 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 sandwiching lists of sins that certain people focus right. on. To get you like perked up, like, oh yeah, yeah, those people are doing that. <laughs> and then he hits you with the shit that you're That's doing, right. and you're supposed to be like, Oh, Damn. I, I'm included in that list. I can't just pluck out twenty-seven and twenty-eight and say, <laughs> or twenty-six and twenty-seven and say, Oh, see, so it's the gays. Yeah. You know, oh, oh, it's it's the other things that you I mean, so it's the things <laughs> we're doing too as good Christians that he's supposed to get your attention, and they just blow right past that. Well, the justification <laughs> begins. The justification begins. Well, yeah, yeah, those are harmful behaviors, but this one is a sexual sin, and that's a different level of sin. Yeah. Like somehow God has right. handed out a hierarchical handbook of what sin is worse, and yeah. you know. So it, it becomes oh. but but then they'll say but then your they'll body say is it's the all, temple. You know, yeah, but then they'll say it's all equal. Yeah. You know, so that, there's, you know, there's a that's why there's a lot of incongruency I mean, in belief. I knew, I know. That's why my favorite new phrase is what in the Tucker Carlson's going on? <laughs> <laughs> because the logic is just I mean, it's like a Tucker Carlson rant. It makes no sense, you know. Yeah, well, he doesn't even know what he's talking about half the time. So No. No. He he's just in there for the ratings. Yeah. That's all it and is. people only watch him because he's a dumbass. <laughs> Because he's a meme. I mean, he's a meme. He wants he wants to put he wants to call CPS on parents who I require their children to wear masks outside. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Please listen to our last episode, Tucker. Uh, I think if you actually knew how many kids were experiencing child abuse and what actually went into <laughs> that, you might uh, you might regret some of those words because. He's an Go down to the go down to your county's you know um, social work office and see how understaffed and underfunded they are, and you're gonna inundate them with stupid ass phone calls about masks. Like, come on, man! Like, you're that's why his lawyers. Yeah, nobody say takes that. You him. You can't take him seriously. It's 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 a show. That's like, a de- it's not real. It's a stellar defense. I swear to God. It's fantastic. Like that lawyer must be patting himself on the back. It's like I I'm a genius. I totally <laughs> dissed him and supported him all at once. Yeah, all the most backhanded compliment ever. And yet he got yeah, off. Yeah, he did. Exactly. He did. Yeah, because the world is a crazy place. <laughs> oh, well, Matt, thanks so much for hanging out with us on a Sunday morning. I know it's early there for you, so well, it's not so bad. I know you're it's up way bad. earlier than this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm up at five. You're up before the sun is, so um, it wasn't too early for you. But thanks for sitting down with us and chatting and being very vulnerable and open about some very personal things. I appreciate that. We both do. Yeah. Yes, so, thank you. Yeah. Thanks very much. All right. Thanks All right. for psychoanalyzing. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't do that. <laughs> Anytime. Bullshit. Yeah, I get off the phone and I'm like, Dad, he's batshit crazy. So. Oh, he's fucking <laughs> Yeah, I don't ever say that anymore, Matt. Ever. <laughs> Not just about you, about anybody. Until, <laughs> until next week. Yeah, until next week. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. 
The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. Don't miss our weekend special. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed Plus Special Financing ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details.